Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. by no one's demand but our own and from our home office here in the Gulch in beautiful Nashville, Tennessee. It is the 615 Sessions brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you on a Tuesday post-Titans uh, day one of mandatory minicamp. Nothing crazy to report, uh, but we do have an exciting guest list for you today. We have Titans general manager, John Robinson making his inaugural appearance on the podcast Uh, and we have Scott Ramsey president and CEO of the Nashville Sports Council so headliners today on the 615 sessions Uh, with John it's actually really fortuitous that he happened to uh, to be able to stop by today coming off of game six last night between the Warriors and the Raptors uh, Kevin Durant getting re-injured and then watching Golden State's GM Bob Myers in tears about it on the podium afterwards. And I know a lot of you uh, have been saying that Bob Myers was faking and have you never seen a man fake cry and all that nonsense. But uh, it struck me as really emotional. And I was hit by the fact, well, that the Titans GM has a little experience at having to decide whether an injured player should start a big game or not. Uh, And so, John, uh, we look forward to talking to John about that and to hearing his insights because, you know, it's not... It's something that happens in professional sports, but we just happen to have somebody here locally who recently went through a, a, decision, a decision of consequence like that. And so we will talk to John Robinson about that and a variety of other things and probably play our looks like game and, you know, make it look like we're only accidentally wasting the time of an NFL executive instead of intentionally doing it. Uh, Scott Ramsey, president and CEO of the Nashville Sports Council, uh, the Music City Bowl announced recently new terms. Uh, on the conference extensions with the SEC and the Big Ten from 2020 to 2025. Uh, we're going to talk about with Scott what it means for the city of Nashville, for you as sports fans, um, some stuff on MLB to Nashville, uh, and his thoughts on the timeline for a new Titans stadium. Lots of stuff going on on the 615 sessions today. But first, Titans general manager, John Robinson. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Uh, Buck Rising here with you and joined by Tennessee Titans general manager, John Robinson, the man whom my girlfriend met at Logan Ryan's event a couple weeks ago and only knows as that one guy off Snapchat. I appreciate you doing this, man. <laughs> Thanks for having me on, Buck. Yeah, for sure, for sure. Uh, she's, she's totally ignorant of sports, John, which is fun for me sometimes. Uh, but it does strike me as something that has to be kind of a rarity for you here locally. Do you, do you get much anonymity in Nashville now that you've been on the job a couple years? Um, it's, uh, it's, uh, I, I get recognized sometimes. I think my, my daughters and, and my wife, they pick up on it more than I do if we're at the grocery store or something. Um, I just kind of keep my head down and, and get the lettuce or, 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 or the chicken breast, whatever she's telling me to load the buggy with. 
Um, but they're a little bit more perceptive uh, maybe than I am. But um, it's always good to bump into people and fans out there and uh, say hello to them and, and thank them for their support for the team. Has there been any funny encounters with you and people when they don't recognize who you are? Um, not really. I mean, I'm pretty. Uh, I, I'm a pretty down to earth guy. You know, sometimes I'll get asked, uh, "What do, you know? What do you do for the team?" And I'm like, "Well, I'm uh, I'm the general manager." And you go, "Oh, whoa, I'm sorry." And I was like, "No, you don't got to apologize. <laughs> <laughs> it's, not, it's not a big deal. I'm just trying to win football games." For sure. I mean, in all seriousness, though, I'm I'm happy to have you on today for a variety of reasons. I appreciate you being willing to do a silly little podcast here. Uh, but in particular, because of what happened to Kevin Durant in last night's NBA Finals, uh, you've got a little experience in, in this kind of thing, unfortunately. And I, I hearken back to the, to the Week 17 decision to keep Marcus out of that game for his own well-being. And I, and I hold it up next to something like Durant, what he dealt with last night and coming back before he was ready and re-injuring himself. And then I don't know if you saw their GM, Bob Myers, was in tears at the podium last night explaining what happened, and I was wondering if you might be able to lend some perspective to something like that, uh, given that you've been a part of one of those decision-making processes before ultimately deciding uh, whether a player is going to play or not in a big spot. Yeah, that's something that you know that, that Vrabel and I talk about on on a weekly basis, and you know we we tell the players that nothing's more uh, important than you know the the health and and safety of, of our players, whether it was. You know, when, when Delaney Walker got hurt in the first week of the season, you hate it for players uh, who have worked so hard uh, to go out and perform at, at a high level. It's just, you know, it's frustrating for, for us because I know it's frustrating for, for the player. Um, but then, you know, that was, a you know, a pretty severe injury that, that cost him the season. You have, um, you know, guys who've had concussions here. Um, and, and we never want uh, to put a player back on the field um, for for any reason, if if we don't think they can protect themselves, um, and that was a tough decision uh, for Marcus because I know uh, you know how much this team means to to him, and he's an extremely co- competitive guy. But you know, at the at the end of the day, the 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 safety and health of our players is 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 the most important thing, and we we want to err on the side of caution because um, you know there's always a life there's always life after football. Yeah, it just it strikes me as as a really human moment. It just just viewing this from an outside perspective, as you know, wanting wanting your guys that you know or you believe can help win games on the field, but then having to balance that against well, you know, what what's going to be best for the guy long term? What's going to be best for his future against you know winning winning a football game, potentially making it to the playoffs and something like that? It's I I don't think I would I don't think I would like to be in that position, John. Yeah, that's that's what we're charged to uh, to do is 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 to make um, you know to to a to, to gather as much information as as possible about every situation, um, whether it's injury wise, whether it's player acquisition, uh, and free agency, the draft, whatever it may be. You're trying to gather as much information um, as possible so that we can make an informed uh, decision that's that's best for for the team. And when you're dealing with an injury, uh, you have to think about the the health and the long term uh, well being of the of the player. Nothing's more important than that. Speaking of informed decisions, no one no one's listening. It's just you and me here. Uh, so feel free to be honest. But did you secretly curse Howie Roseman's name when he set the benchmark at 32 million annually as someone who might be in the quarterback extension market in a couple of months? 
Yeah, you know, it's um, it's it's interesting how you know really all these um, position uh, groups across the board. Um, they've, that's that's just kind of the nature of what the um, uh, the league has has become. It's uh, the, the salaries have become uh, higher and higher um, year in and year out for for players across the board at a lot of positions. Um, so you know, it's, uh, we don't really talk about contracts situations uh, within the media it's sure. between us and the player and. Um, you know, it's just excited about where we're at as a football team, and and uh, look forward to um, finishing out this week's uh, mini camp, uh, taking a little bit of a break, and, and then ramping up uh, come late July for training camp. Do you ever get sticker shock with where any of the, any of these contracts at any position, wet, the way that the money goes up uh, every year, looking at the way that the cap has risen over, I think the past six years, it's gone up about sixty million dollars, and or is it just a matter of understanding that the market for these guys is just keeping pace with that? Yeah, I think it's I think it's I think it's really more the the, the latter. It's um, understanding uh, the market and and different teams are in different situations uh, from their cash flow and their and their cap situation. They and it's um, you know they they when when they feel like a you know there's a player that they that they can if it's free agency for example that the player that they they really have to have and there's competition for that you can kind of get into uh to a bit of a bidding war and i think the one thing that that you have to do is stay stay disciplined in your approach um certainly be competitive be aggressive um but knowing when is is too much and when is you know time to kind of push away from from the table and um that's always tough you're not always going to be right um but we try to we try to do what we think is best uh is best for the team and 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 see where that takes us. Uh, you mentioned earlier uh, that you're charged with keeping keeping the well-being of these guys uh, as as safe as you can with with the players. And Jeffrey Simmons was somebody we got a chance to catch up with today. I, by the way, I do appreciate you guys uh, making him available. I know you you don't have to with a guy like that when he's injured, especially somebody who's going to be under uh, more scrutiny than and another player might should. So I appreciate you guys letting us get a chance to talk with him, but. Uh, how have you felt about Jeffrey's progression while he's had to, you know, stick to the to the classroom and the weight room? Uh, is he keeping pace with things in the way that you'd like him to? Well, I know our our trainer Todd Torcelli says that, that his his core has never been stronger from having to uh, work with Jeffrey's leg. He's he's probably got an eight pack. Maybe I should actually do that instead of eating lunch. Uh, go down and help Todd with with the rehab. Uh, see, John, um, I'm I'm one of these people that I would prefer to be fat and happy. So, like, I'm not judging you at all. <laughs> I promise. You. I had pizza I'm, for I'm, lunch. I'm, I'm not, not proud of it, but I did it anyway. It's okay. I might lose an inch or two if I were to go down and work with Todd on Jeffrey. <laughs> but um, you know, he's 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 really immersed himself um, uh, in in the strength program with with Frank, our uh, Piranha, our strength coach, with Todd and the rehab process. Um, the players have have welcomed him with open arms. He's learning the defense. I know he's chomping at the bit um, uh, to to get out there, but um, we'll just take it day by day, week by week, and um, hopefully, you know, he's going to have a good uh, good summer and, and and stay on top of that that rehab and and come into training camp and and, and continue and just see kind of what his timeline looks like. Um, but we're super excited that he's on this football team. Hey, I got to tell you, John, this is the most like serious football interview that I've done since I've had the podcast. Normally, I try to keep it keep it light and talk about things with you guys and your players other than football. I mean, Vrabel came on here uh, when we were raising money for the Polar Plunge and threatened to drown me because he knows I can't swim. Uh, and he said it would be one less football question that he would have to answer at these press conferences that he has to do. So I'm going to I'm going to 
not, I'm, I guess I'm going to intentionally waste the time of an NFL uh, executive and ask you to play our looks like game with us. Fire away. I'll see. Uh, I, I got to try to understand the game a little bit. So you're going to tell me, um, I'll let you explain it rather okay. than trying to decipher it myself. So we have people on Twitter send us, uh, you know, things in things from everyday life that they think Titans players or coaches or you uh, look like. Now, I don't have any good ones from you, about you that I've gotten recently, but I have to ask you, does Taylor Lewan's facial hair make him look like a circus strongman? Um, I could see the resemblance. Okay. I could see the resemblance. Does sometimes more, sometimes more clown. Um, (laughs) but I could see the strong man. Are you, are you getting on the bus anytime soon, by the way, can we break any news here? No, I I don't think I have an invitation, uh, to, to, uh, to, to the bus. (laughs) Um, it, from I have I have seen pictures of the bus. I would probably need a tetanus shot after uh, leaving. Uh, so that may be one uh, one other reason I might abstain. I was about to say I I have to imagine it's somewhere in Taylor's contract that he can't be wandering around junkyards like that. Yeah, it's uh, it's 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 somewhat uh, somewhat troubling. Yet I trust him. <laughs> Does as odd as that may sound. Speaking of yeah, I you know more, more better man than I I imagine. But speaking of the bus, <laughs> does. Will Compton look like an extra on the set of the OC? I have never watched uh, the OC, so I really couldn't uh, comment. I will say he is uh, strikingly handsome after he got his teeth fixed. <laughs> yeah, the teeth, the teeth were a big, uh, a big one for him last year. I remember huge that. Uh, well, huge, huge hit. One, one more for you, and then I've wasted enough of your time. Does your head coach, Mike Vrabel's mustache, make him look like the crooked cop who double-crosses his squad in every action movie ever? Um, it, it's, it's really more of a um, borderline magnum P.I. look, uh, maybe. Um, if he cut off the little turned-down handlebars, um, and threw on a Detroit uh, lion hat. Um, I think he, he and, and a couple Hawaiian short shirts, uh, unbuttoned down about seven buttons. He would probably pass for Magnum. Uh, Jimmy Wyatt's probably got a couple he can borrow in his uh, in his office there at St. Thomas Sports. Park. Yeah, we'll I don't think I don't think I don't think Wyatt's would I don't think Wyatt's would fit would fit Vrabel. Um, <laughs> not that Vrabel's beefy. The arms uh, would probably not um, be able to holster uh, Rage's guns. Uh, he is Titans general manager John Robinson. He has been kind enough to let us waste some of his time on this Tuesday, and I greatly appreciate you doing it, John. Thanks a lot. Enjoyed it, Buck. Love to come back on anytime. All right, brother. Take care. Back here on the 615 Sessions, A to Z Sports, A to Z Sports, Nashville.com. Buck Rising here with you on this Tuesday. Pleased to be joined by Scott Ramsey, President and CEO of the Nashville Sports Council. Good to talk to you again, my friend. Hey, good to be on with you, Buck. So, Scott, recently, past couple weeks, uh, the Franklin American Mortgage Music City Bowl, just to get right to it, uh, announced a new agreement from 2020 to 2025 between the SEC, the Big Ten, and the Franklin American Music City Bowl. And I know you were really excited about it. The details of it were interesting. But if you could just kind of lay out for the audience what all that entails on the on its face yeah it's it's a it's a really big business deal for the bowl uh in the future of the bowl and i uh, think it'll just really uh position our city and our uh 
uh, our game and our event um, in, in a much better probability to attract some matchups that uh, that maybe we hadn't seen uh, in the first uh, 20 years or so of the bowl game. And uh, right now we're in 2019 in the sixth year of our six-year agreement currently where uh, obviously, we have the SEC as an anchor every year. We're in a pool with uh, uh, with five other ci- or four other cities um, uh, where we select right behind the Citrus Bowl, which has been a huge improvement for us. Um, uh, that's delivered matchups like our LSU, Notre Dame, Tennessee, Nebraska sellout. Uh, last year, Auburn, Purdue, uh, Kentucky, Northwestern. So um, we had our first Heisman winner with Louisville uh, and uh, A&M playing our game. So, you know, we've really seen some matchups that uh, really out of the last five years, I think we've had eight eight institutions and schools here that had never played in our game before. So, um, you know, but as you look at that you and you look long term, you're trying to kind of keep the matchups fresh. And you know, we've been with the ACC now going on 14 years. I think we've had maybe nine or 10 out of the 14 teams in the league. Um, and we were with the Big Ten in the early 2000s, but now we're able to move up in the selection position uh, right behind the Citrus and the Outback. It's the highest we've ever been um, and maybe attract some, some of the brands that we hadn't seen in Nashville before, you know, the Michigans and the Penn States and the Wisconsins and those kind of folks that uh, we think will really create some dynamic matchups, a lot of economic impact, fill the stands, fill the hotels, and and hopefully uh, create some great TV ratings. And, uh, you know, we're really excited about that. The SEC and the Big Ten only play in the postseason. Um, and uh, we're one of those uh, opportunities now. And uh, I just really think uh, the, the future's bright over the next six years. Yeah, congratulations, by the way. I should have mentioned that off the top instead of just going right at it. That's, <laughs> that's fantastic news, I think, is certainly as a football fan and who's somebody, somebody who uh, works in this business and gets to cover this kind of stuff. Uh, so I know you guys have got to be fired up about it as well. Uh, the, the economic impact that you touched on there, what exactly does this mean that, that you guys have been, have been uh, seen as, you know, I guess if you want to call it worthy of, of this, this kind of partnership where you're going, you're going to get to see better matchups potentially here in Nashville? What, what does that mean to you, I guess, long term? Uh, for the city well, of I, I, you know, I think that's a great question, and, and, and a lot of it's you know just kind of forecasting that, uh, Buck. You know, but I, I think it goes back to the, the foundational rationale of why we started the bowl game in Nashville. You know, in the late '90s, when we recruited, you know, Houston Oilers moved uh, moved here and became the Titans, and we created a, a city-owned uh, stadium, uh, Nissan Stadium, right on the East Bank. Uh, the challenge was really to take at that time between Christmas and New Year's a time that was our slowest tourism time of the year. And could we use a bowl game to kind of create some some economic impact purely from a business standpoint uh, of utilizing a city asset, which is now Nissan Stadium. And fast forward to where we are now, 22 years, certainly our our city has changed dramatically and sports has played a big part of that. But more importantly, between Christmas and New Year's, it's one of our busiest weeks every year now. Um, we, you know, we're really able to align with great partnerships and collaboration. You know, Preds game, sometimes a Titans game. We now have a New Year's Eve event five or six years old into it, which creates an unbelievable impact. So the Bull has tried to kind of anchor around that 29th, 30th to lead into that New Year's and really create a business platform for tourism uh, between those weeks. So, you know, each year um, or each every four or six year segment that we're in now, you lock into contract cycles with your conferences. So it's not something you can tweak every year. Um, so, you know, every time that comes up, you're trying to create the best probability to get a selection position that can get you the best and most dynamic matchup for Nashville. Uh, the matchup we want here may not be the matchup that uh, – 
some city in Florida or California would like, but it's one that we think would really do well here. Um, we've seen tourism uh, travel models change. Used to be when we started 20 years ago, everybody wanted to go to South Florida or California or, or Texas or Phoenix. Now everybody wants that three or four day getaway, hop in the car, have access, and Nashville's really served that that point, especially when you look at the Big Ten markets uh, and the SEC markets that are really prominent coming in our city. So we really think we're positioned now to kind of create the best probability, create some matchups that will excite the local fans, bring a lot of people here from out of town, uh, stay for a longer period of time, and hopefully create some great TV ratings for our city and for a title sponsor. Yeah, I, I sit here, and the more that I hear about it, Scott, the more the more excited I get about the, the, the proposition of of what kind of matchup we may have here in Nashville, and I think I think it says a great deal about us as what we've become in terms of in, ter- in terms of the tourism, in terms of you know what Nashville is, how it can how it can cater to sports fans and 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 hosts uh, host these bigger events and do them well. Uh, what what do you think it says about where the city is a- as a as as Nashville has handled this kind of growth and expectations? Well, I, I think we're on a trajectory as a sports destination that's maybe as hot as any in the country. You know, I, I think of, um, you know, in a bowl relation, you know, in a bowl comparison, you know, I would compare it to some something like the Fiesta Bowl in the 90s where it kind of came out of the 70s and 80s and became, you know, that kind of uh, premier bowl destination. But more importantly, to your point, I, I think uh, I think there's a lot of things over time that's kind of you kind of built our reputation as um, as as a place people want to come for for you know a sports event. I you know great success with the SEC basketball tournament. Uh, we just locked them in for 2035, which is the longest agreement in the country between an event like that and a city and a destination. Um, you know, we just had an unbelievable success with the NFL draft and our uh, St. Jude Rock and Roll Marathon's 20th year right in the middle of that. Uh, obviously, a couple years ago, the NHL All-Star Game really changed the model of that event and was widely successful. And then just five years ago, uh, we hosted one of the most successful women's Final Four. So, you know, I think those events kind of continue to build upon themselves. Um, and I, I think it shows the unity and the collaboration in our city um, and the destination. You know, I think sports are a little different. People come for fun. Uh, they come to follow their teams or come for an event. Uh, so they're able to really kind of uh, experience our entertainment side and uh, not really have to sit in a convention center or a meeting in a hotel room for a long period of time. And um, it's really kind of fit our, our personality of our city well. So, you know, I think uh, the sky's the limit and uh, we're excited about kind of continuing the positive momentum and, and looking, you know, five, ten years out on, on what can kind of fit best for our city. Yeah, I mean, given everything that you've just laid out there, Scott, I, I and the trajectory that Nashville appears to be on the the proposition of of major league baseball coming potentially coming to nashville being mentioned in the conversation of coming to nashville has been something that's been uh, a lot a lot of talk on our end just because there's precious little to talk about at this time of year so we need something to fill the time <laughs> but what what do you make of of what Na- of what has been made of the of the the the, the group that's been putting together uh, mlb to nashville uh, what do you think about the conversations that have been had thus far? Uh, and can you can you lend us any insight that people may be missing at this point? Well, I, I don't have I don't have the insider insider. I know I know the folks uh, that are they're working with MLB doing some feasibility studies on a few cities, and we're one of those. I I think just speaking from from national perspective here a little bit, or the sports council side of things, I, I think. 
you know, I, I think we need to be very uh, prudent uh, in, in working through that. I, I think uh, the investment side um, is one that um, I know the city will really have to kind of take a, take a hard look at when you talk about facilities now. I mean, uh, we're, we're getting ready to, um, you know, in a couple of years, uh, open a brand new MLS stadium, which right. will open some doors for us to recruit some events that we hadn't normally done. It gives us another premier facility that we can showcase our city on. Um, I certainly think, you know, when you look at Nissan Stadium and it being, you know, 21 years or 22 years old now, a 30-year lease with the Titans, you know, in four or five years, what's that discussion look like? And I'm just taking that from, you know, every other NFL city that's gotten to that 25 or 30 year mark have had a facility discussion um and certainly it's in great shape and it, it's serving the purpose but you don't know where that takes you so does that come into play when you start talking about a new baseball only facility uh where's the development piece and where's it located i think one of the the real benefits uh for our city has been something that we've really done in our bids against other cities is the compact campus that we can create downtown. We just saw that for the draft. We've seen that for the bowl. We've seen that for SEC basketball, we saw it for women's final four, all-star game. So can, can they capitalize on our downtown campus? And if so, where does that happen? So, you know, I think behind the scenes, purely from a business standpoint, not from a popularity or hey, everybody would like to see more, more professional teams here, but can the business model sustain you know, some of those questions about the development, the facility, and, and doesn't impact our current uh, ones at all. I, I don't know that answer, but I think that'll be the key discussion uh, down the road on, on whether or not uh, that's something that's going to happen in the near future or not. Yeah, and I know Nashville sports fans are going to be pl- paying close attention to it uh, the entire time. Uh, you mentioned the Titans and, and Nissan Stadium where they are, the Titans in that lease with N- Nissan Stadium and, and how and the age of the stadium based on you know, where, where current NFL stadium trajectories are on. Uh, how you, you mentioned that that conversation might be four or five years off uh, where, from where we sit today. Is, are, there, are there any conversations being had about that, I guess? Are those conversations still some time off? Um, you know, to be honest with you, Buck, that, that's prob- I, I, I'm not privy to that, um, you know, directly. Um, I, I know indirectly, I, I think everybody kind of feels that timeline. The only reason I say that is, is typically, you know, and then we got a mayoral election coming up here in August. <laughs> so typically, you know, that's that's probably something on the political cycle that, uh, you know, you start looking at, um, you know, the, how the terms kind of flow there. Right. Um, is that something a mayor wants to take on in a first term? Uh, I don't know. Um, you know, is that, you know, where's the ownership and, and Amy Adams and everybody feeling like uh, when they want to start engaging with the city on that discussion? Um, I just kind of look around, usually around that 25-year mark, that seems to be kind of the, the trigger for the Indianapolis's and the, um, you know, those kind of folks when, when they started kind of really talk, talking about uh, facilities, so Atlanta. Um, and, um, you know, it just kind of feels like the right time. But uh, I certainly um, don't have any, any official uh, word on that. But I would think that uh, between the Titans and the city, they've got a great relationship uh, they're probably starting to think about that, um, you know, in the near future. He is Scott Ramsey, president and CEO of the Nashville Sports Council. He has been uh, gracious enough to let us waste some of his time here on this Tuesday, <laughs> and we greatly appreciate him for it and all the uh, work he and the folks at the Nashville Sports Council have done uh, for being one of the people who is keeping us on such a hot trajectory as a sports city. Thanks for the time, Scott. You, no problem, Buck. I, I enjoyed it, and uh, we'll see you uh, down the road. 
was a show today on the 615 Sessions. Really enjoyed that, uh, both those conversations with John Robinson and with Scott Ramsey. And I think that might be the most actually informative and and hard-hitting journalistic edition of this program that I've ever done. That might be the most impressive thing I've ever done journalistically. Actually ask serious sports questions of two people of consequence in the Nashville sports scene. So we greatly appreciate uh, John Robinson and Scott Ramsey's time. Uh, Before we get out of here, because this is going to be a longer podcast, just a bit, but I wanted to spend just a tiny bit of time talking about what we saw today uh, at the first day of Titans OTAs. Uh, Obviously, two more days to go, Wednesday and Thursday, before the the Titans and the rest of the league take their six-week NFL summer vacation, for lack of a better term. Um, Jack Conklin and Jonu Smith were out there today. It's the first time we've seen Jack and Jonu uh, on on the practice fields. They weren't participating... With the rest of the group, they, excuse me, I just burped into the microphone. They were <laughs> broadcast professional, by the way. Just had uh, a, somebody of great importance in terms of all the major events that we have in this city and the general manager of the local professional football team. And here I am wrapping up the show and burping into the microphone. Excellent work by me. But anyway, my digress. Uh, John U. Smith and Jack Conklin. We're working out on a side field after practice individually, uh, and it's it's notable because it's the first time that we've seen Jack and Janu this offseason. Of course, they're both coming off IR and working their way back from respective knee injuries uh, that they sustained over the course of 2018. Um, and so those guys were in attendance, and that was the biggest thing that we were looking for uh, outside of how the, the actual on-field product, which um, if you were watching the offense, either Mariota or Tannehill was poor uh, today on its face. But you know, I'm not gonna, I'm not somebody who's gonna get wrapped up. I'm, I'm, I'm concerned about the crispness of the practice. It, it was lethargic to a degree. Um, outside of the DBs who look like they have more fun than anybody at St. Thomas Sports Park on the practice field. But anyway, um, I, I'm struck by it because these were the things that we're looking for in the first day of minicamp. Who's not there? Is, is there the potential at all? Uh, for for a contract holdout situation from the guys who might be who who we, who are owed deals, uh, Kevin Byard. Uh, nobody expected him to miss practice, but Conklin is again not somebody we've seen, not somebody we've talked to, um, who's been fairly anonymous throughout this whole situation. And so it was curious to me to to see whether he'd actually show up. I knew he was in town because I saw pictures of him with some of his teammates uh, at the CMA Fest over the weekend. So I knew he was around, but Taylor Lewan Taylor Lewan was around in town last year during mandatory minicamp uh, when he was looking for a new deal, and he was not somebody who was in attendance at mandatory minicamp last year. Uh, Roger Saffold was not there today, but Vrabel told us that was for personal reasons. Christian Abercrombie of TSU uh, was out there uh, today as well, which was cool to see, as well as uh, one of Coach Vrabel's sons, uh, Carter, his classmate. Um, at school who, uh, and, and God, just, I, I feel terrible now because I've forgotten the young man's name uh, that we just talked to Mike Vrabel about, so deepest apologies for that. But they had uh, both of those young men out of practice today with their families, uh, another cool thing that the Tennessee Titans do. I, th- I, I, I really, I'm struck, honest to God, um, and it's, it's going to sound like a degree of homerism because um, I do like, Mike Vrabel, I do think that he's somebody that's going to be a good fit here in Nashville. Uh, and so that probably to some of you guys sounds like it's coloring my opinion of things with Vrabel. But Mike Vrabel sa- strikes me as somebody who's who's very community conscious, um, who's very involved in in all of the good 
uh, that his team does for the, the, the community that they're in here in Nashville. It's, it seems to be of great importance to him. Uh, John Robinson, who we just had on the show, he, he recognizes those kind of guys. It's, it's a legitimate, like, I hate, I, God, I hate myself for sitting here talking about the culture that a, that a that an NFL football team is building like I like I'm 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 spouting the kind of cliches that I absolutely hate but it's true I mean these guys these guys recognize good people uh, and they bring them into their organization uh, and they you know it's it makes for a better environment on the whole and so it's something that strikes me today not just today but on 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 several occasions um, that you guys should be grateful I think at least for somebody who cares about you, who cares about Nashville, uh, to have John Robinson and to have Mike Vrabel because they both seem um, really, really in, in, intending uh, and, doing, and doing their part to be involved and to stay involved and to make sure you guys have a sense of community attachment to their football team uh, in a way that uh, some of the Titans losing uh, over, the, over the, not the past couple of years because obviously they've had three winning seasons consecutively for the first time in franchise history. But before that, when people were starting to be, uh, I used the word lethargic earlier, lethargic about their Titans fandom because the team uh, in previous iterations was so bad, uh, people, I think, um, the disconnect is something that's real. And I think that Mike Vrabel and John Robinson are conscious of that and and work really hard uh, to make themselves relatable, to make themselves accessible. Um, and it's something I respect about them. But that's going to do it for us today on this Tuesday of the 615 Sessions. Thanks, of course, to our guest, Scott Ramsey of the Nashville Sports Council and John Robinson, General Manager of your Tennessee Titans. Thanks, of course, to you guys who write, review, and subscribe wherever it is that you get our little podcast here on the 615 Sessions, Apple Podcasts, uh, Google, Google Play, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. We are available almost everywhere, if not everywhere, that you can get your podcast. So feel free to rate us with five stars. Uh, no four stars, no three stars, no two stars, no one stars. Four stars uh, will just make it seem like you're trolling me, which is fine, but troll me another way. Do it on Twitter, at Buck Rising, uh, in my mentions, rather than attack our five-star ratings, because we are five stars on Apple Podcasts. I'm very proud of that, and I'm very proud of you guys who support us. So please do that, uh, and make sure that you are subscribing so that you can get access to our archives. It's not just John Robinson. It's not just Scott Ramsey who've been on this show. Uh, Kevin Byard, uh, Corey Davis, Rashawn Evans, the MVP, uh, the MV punter, rather, Brett Kern, Teron Davenport, Tiffany Blackman. I mean, we get some really, really good guests here on the 615 Sessions, and I'm greatly appreciative of all of them for being willing to let me screw around with them on my podcast. So uh, make sure that you are subscribing to the archives so you can get access to all of that. Thanks, of course, to the boys, Austin Stanley and Zach Bingham, A to Z Sports Weekdays, 8 a.m. live streaming, Facebook Live, Periscope, Nashville's on-demand sports talk show. They will be out at mid-10 Ford tomorrow, 8 a.m., bright and early. Uh, so make sure that you are streaming along with them, following us on Facebook, or liking us on Facebook, following us on Instagram and Twitter, A to Z Sports, on all of those to access our excellent coverage, uh, which we had some exceptional coverage today at Titans Minicamp. But for all of the goings-on with your local sports, we are the best ones out here doing it collectively because we got more people than everybody else. We're, it's, it's becoming a little bit of a cult thing. We, uh, we have infested uh, practices and are taking over the coverage in a way that nobody else is able to do because we got the manpower. And so tough. <laughs> but that being said, I'm Buck Rising, reminding you to stay hot, Nashville. We'll talk to you Thursday. Uh, it'll be me, and I believe this has not been yet 
uh, denied, but it hasn't been confirmed. But I'm going to tease it anyway, because perhaps public pressure will make him do it. Paul Kaharski uh, is going to join me on the podcast. We're going to put a bow on this Titans offseason. Uh, we're probably going to talk a little, bit about, a little bit about our Bruce Springsteen super fandom. It's something me and the Chief share. That's uh, about the only thing, because he's bald and I have hair. He's short and I'm tall. He's angry and I'm... Uh, my laugh has been compared to a uh, postmenopausal Julia Child. So we are polar opposites in everything but our love of Bruce Springsteen and uh, our covering of your local professional football team. So the Chief on Thursday, uh, and we'll see you then here on the 615 Sessions, brought to you by A to Z Sports and A to Z Sports Nashville.com.